Welcome, everyone. You are listening to The Communication Solution, maybe watching it, uh, a podcast here with the MI guys here. And we are here to help you improve the outcomes with the individuals, organizations, and communities that you serve here with our team of Casey Jackson, Tammy Calais, and myself, John Gilbert. So for today, we just got a quick, short um, podcast to kind of address a question that had come up. So Tammy, if you wouldn't mind queuing us up to what the question is, and then we will dive in. So first off, the question is from one of you guys. You guys can always send questions to us. You can send it to Casey at ifioc.com, C-A-S-E-Y at ifioc.com. But the question is, you know, I know one of the options is to ask for permission to share information with people. What if you actually ask to share and the client says no? The first, the first thing my brain thinks is then you're mismatching stage of change or you're not in the right of the four processes. Um, because what you find, well, anybody that tracks motivational, so any of you that are listening, you, you know motivational, you, you practice motivational interviewing, what you know is there, when you watch the masters, when you watch the best videos or listen to the best audios of motivational interviewing, it is so fluid. It's almost like, it's almost like magic. Listening to it, it just seems so effortless and so seamless. You've never heard that happen in any audio or video in motivational interviewing because the MI practitioner is so in sync with the individual they're talking to. So, you know, kind of the the catchphrase we use in motivational interviewing that if you're asking for permission and they say no, it's probably premature focus. Mm-hmm. Um, you're trying to get the solution or give them an idea or suggestion and their brain is not ready for it. My first indicator is they're not in preparation if they say no and they haven't resolved their ambivalence. Because once somebody resolves their ambivalence, they're usually chomping at the bit to get towards a solution. So it's almost an immediate indicator. What I think of is it doesn't mean you necessarily made a misstep, but you just got some really critical assessment information of where their brain is actually at, which helps us tune in even further that as long as we're listening to the person we're talking to, as long as we're listening deeply, they will provide you immediate feedback. So if you're saying, hey, I've got some ideas, is it okay if I share them? They're like, nah, I'm not ready for that. Then your brain should go, oh, their brain is not ready for that. I'm, I'm mismatched. My brain is not assessed in sync with where they're at. And it's not like, with the stages of change, you can go up and down and yeah. up and down with your invention interventions. It's not like, oh, I totally messed up and now the whole conversation's ruined. No, not at all. Okay. It's just that's literally immediate information that assesses, which lets your brain know I can still pay attention to change talk, but it doesn't mean that I need to move into they're not ready to move into resolving that and moving towards a solution or resolution. We need to kind of you know, sort through a little bit more of the ambivalence around this, continue to give a little more oxygen to the change talk and explore that a little further, maybe go a little deeper in the change talk. And then a better strategy then to revert to is an evocative open-ended question. So what thoughts do you have about things that you might want to do from here? So instead of, you know, jumping in with potentially our writing reflex and giving a solution, we can just take a step back refocus on change talk and shift over into evoking or listening their thoughts or their ideas about potential next steps. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's two, there's two things here that, that might be helpful for talking about too. Like that example was uh, talking about, you know, if you think of the four processes uh, from the way that we, you know, train from engage, focus, and plan, 
that that example you were just giving, Casey, is that transition of asking permission from resolving ambivalence to planning, from focusing on the values to planning, like that was that one. And, you know, asking permission can happen in various places. That's just one that's really common when we're thinking about motivational interviewing, just to be explicit about it, is to ask, oh, I have some thoughts and ideas or ideas and solutions or evidence-based whatevers to make that transition. So I just wanted to explicitly highlight that. And there are times that you might want to share information up front for whatever reason for their awareness. It could be feedback of some lab work or feedback of some whatever survey. Um, there's all sorts of places that you could choose to use it depending on your work environment, but that is where we were just kind of talking about it there. The other thing I would throw on the table here is that it also seems to be an indicator that the more we kind of go back then and think about, well, what is that telling us? It might be that it's telling us we're in our reality, in our head, more than their head and their reality. And that the more I, I go, oh, I'm mismatching their stage of change, this is the type of thing that you've taught me, at least, Casey, is I might be so diagnosing things from my perspective and in my head looking at their reality versus really trying to get back in and go, okay, maybe that's giving me feedback that I need to get more in their reality and their shoes and feel what they're feeling, sense that, voice that, and then voice their desires, which course you know relates to sustained talk change talk accordingly right but really try to try to approach it from that place and their values rather than so diagnosing so analytical because that's a trap i can fall into that i just think there's something to be said about speaking to that a little of like well now now how much am i focusing on installing or being the provider with my information versus really drawing out and being the evoker and being the curious uh, curator and how to do that. And it seems like there's a mindset shift in that as well uh, when you might get a no that they're giving you feedback on. They're, they're giving that feedback. And I, you know, the, the area that this falls into for me, because of, again, just the rubric and the design of, you know, different coding tools with Micah is the partnering part of it. You know, just the nature of what collaboration is and motivational interviewing. And we say it all the time, you know, the, the right dose at the right time, you know, the right information, the right dose at the right time in that process and and the individual you're talking to will cue that up. You know, with me being the visual learner and, and the analogies, the way that this continues to kind of unfold for me is knowing about if I'm providing information and cobblestones start to illuminate on their path for the journey that they're on. So how do I illuminate cobblestones that they would not have seen if I wouldn't have been present in the conversation? And how do I illuminate those cobblestones that help them walk on the path that they're trying to walk on to get towards the goal or the destination they're trying to get towards? The mastery of that is the mastery for me of partnership and collaboration and motivational interviewing because those cobblestones may not have lit up if they weren't in a conversation with me. They may not have known this aspect of diabetes. They may not have known this aspect of mental health or addiction. They may not have known this aspect of the aging process or how it affects their thought process um, or what their options are financially. Like you just you don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. And the reason you're talking to another human being is because, and what we tend to want to do from a professional perspective is instill or install that or provide that through our writing reflex because we see people struggle and we want to fix it. Um, or we have ideas on how to solve that. But in a person-centered approach, you're looking at how do I evoke or draw out their thoughts and their ideas based on their values and their goals. So, I mean, it's just, again, it is this balance between the mindset and the skill set because so many people professionally, we have the skill set 
but the mindset doesn't always lead. It tends to be the skill set that tends to lead. Mm -hmm. Hmm. There's also something that I was thinking about earlier that um, could come up here, and, and Tammy, feel free to jump in uh, as well. It's that there's also this technique um, of something we've tried to get away from in, in how we coach on MI, particularly with the MICA, but of if I can just ask permission, then I can share all the solutions and ideas and things that I have. And it's speaking to the mindset of what you're talking about, but I just want to be explicit about it because we're talking a lot of times at this meta transcendent level of so many different professionals. And I do want to encourage if that, if you're wanting us to get more granular and precise and specific role play stuff, whatever you want to do, send in that example to Casey at ifioc.com and we will take a look at it and we will get as granular as you want about this stuff for examples in this setting, in that setting. But the reason I came to mind is because that, that's an explicit example of a mindset of if I just ask permission, I can maybe get credit for it on certain tools. And then, then when I get credit for that, I'm doing an MI technique that allows me to get them to see what I want them to see. And that's just a very specific sort of mindset that I've heard from even people that have been through motivational interviewing training that I just want to give voice to that if that's your intention, there's a higher likelihood you're going to get no or reluctance when they do speak up about asking permission. And I'll also lastly say, you know, what you've heard, Casey, in your coachings, I'd be curious about that and Tammy, your experience of learning. Just how you ask and when you ask is what you were talking about with what is relevant and appropriately timed information. That is in our definition of partnering in the MICA. And so how do you go about that? And, and what have you noticed to be relevant and appropriately timed? I'd be curious to talk about the alternative. If you get no, well, what's the alternative to do? You've kind of talked about that, Casey, reassess, get back, you know, and really refocus on where they're at, their change talk. But I'd be curious also just your perspective of this mindset of kind of asking permission and sharing and how to get around that and how to get into less reluctance and to really embody relevant and appropriately timed information if we're going to try to try a different approach rather than just getting feedback that that's not helpful right now. We mismatch stage of change. I, I guess just my brain goes conceptually because the vision of it for me is you know, if, if Tammy and I are going hiking together and then I get really excited, which is fine. Um, and I sprint up the path about a quarter mile ahead of her and I'm like, hey, Tammy, do you want to go this direction? And she's like, hey, maybe, but could you wait till I get there? Because I just want to check it out myself. There's mm -hmm. nothing wrong with me being up there ahead of her and checking it out. But for it to be informed choice, she wants to kind of get that quarter mile up there and make a decision once she gets there. Like she could defer and trust me, which is fine. But if she says, hey, could you just wait till I got up there so I can just see if that's where the direction we want to go at the trailhead there, um, then that's more of an informed choice. So there's nothing wrong with me sprinting ahead a quarter mile and checking it out and giving her some insight. But if she says, that's good to know, but can we just wait to make that decision till I get there? Um, to me, that's the same kind of indicator. There's nothing wrong with me running ahead. And maybe I'm in better shape and I'm just used to doing that. Um, but for a person-centered approach, if it's really about Tammy's climb, then I need to wait for Tammy to get there. So I can keep reflecting future as much as I want to. And Tammy can say, yeah, I get that. I probably do want to go that direction, but I need to get there first before I make my final decision. Um, so I don't know if that helps or not, but that's the way I think of what you're talking about too, John, 
in terms of, you know, we tend to premature focus or rush quite a bit um, because we think it's more efficient. But just because we run up a quarter mile does not make Tammy up a quarter mile. Um, Tammy still has to get up that quarter mile. We think if we get there first, then it's going to make the process go faster. And sometimes that in and of itself can actually generate resistance or pushback. Um, my feet are hurting me. I'm not going to sprint. And literally, it can generate sustained time. Uh, by me trying to rush solution. That would be ill-timed at the end of the day. Exactly. And, and, not, and not meeting them, you're going at your pace. That's exactly it. And and it and what it is, is it's ill-timed if you continue to push it. Mm -hmm. It can be perfectly timed to assess where their brain is at. If Tammy says, you know, that sounds good, but can we just wait till I get there before we decide? And I go, yeah, but Tammy, I've checked out all the other ways. And I think this is the best way. And you're like, yeah, but I, I, this was my journey and I wanted to make sure because I might change my mind when I get up there. And I'm like, yeah, well, you won't change your mind because this really is the best past. I've already been here before and this is why you need to go here. Now that is really ill-timed. It's yeah. me trying to push an agenda or a solution that is not person-centered, even if I'm right. It doesn't matter if I'm right because your brain is starting to go, I don't think I want to climb with him anymore. And I'm probably going to go left just because he wants to go right now. Now you've contaminated the whole process even if you are right. Yeah. So, so I think this is why it is that, I mean, it's a, a long, a long response to, you know, what do you do if somebody says, you know, no, I don't want the, the feedback, but this is from a, again, a person-centered approach. It, for me, what I love about MI, it's not right or wrong. It's literally just information. So if they say that, it doesn't mean you've messed up. Doesn't mean you've screwed up. Just means, oh, I can, I was feeling they're ready for preparation. They're literally verbally telling me I'm not ready for preparation quite yet. And what I can always do then is reinforce change talk and then shift back to evoking their thoughts and their ideas about the next steps. Um, and that's, so it's just a, it can be a, a kind of a rhythm of how do we, you know, kind of refocus when we reassess. Makes a lot of sense. Well, that's, that's also just really critical for so many aspects of that, again, transition from like focus to plan and how much are we trying to get them into the plan and write the plan and uh, make a specific plan. And we tend to just focus so much on the plan, we lose the motivation in the process. And I think it speaks to that, that mindset of what we're trying to shift as well. Um, last but not least, I'll just add in as we're wrapping up here that if we have that mindset that, you know, we're talking about that you're especially speaking to, Casey, then it can be fruitful to recognize that a lot of the times we might not get the, the feedback that they'll just blatantly say no. Um, I've listened to literally thousands of conversations over 4,000 now, and I have ne never heard someone actually say just blatantly no, but you should be able to detect if you're the helper, the fine or I guess, or okay. Whatever. Like, yeah, like, like even, yeah, even whatever is like hard to come across. It's like, there's a, there's a moment that someone has a basic social sense of respect that they're generally not going to say no, unless they're in deep free contemplation, usually in, in, from what I could imagine. So it's up to us to find that nuance too, because I was listening to a tape recently of someone practicing and they asked really early on and went up the trail, as you said, Casey, to share. And it was just, they weren't picking up on that. It wasn't a true yes. It was a reluctant, I guess so, sort of yes. And it's like that nuance of our own emotional intelligence and empathy for other people was really, really important in that moment that just was missed, you know? And I think last but not least, how we ask it, it's less important as to 
why are we going there and the mindset, but yes. even how I have found and coached around just asking, well, would it be helpful if comes from a different place than can I share with you my thoughts? And so just that shift too, of some people got to fake it till they make it. I wanted to throw that out there. Can you start to try to be an evoker rather than an installer and all that stuff, but be more in the mindset of would it be helpful? And then when that happens, sometimes it's not helpful because they're at a, they're, you help them get clear. You helped evoke their own insights and thoughts and ideas, and they know where to go from here. And so it's okay that it's not helpful versus when we ask, can I share and we get a no, I think there's a likelihood to maybe take that more personal or something like that. So anyhow, I just wanted to add that as my last thoughts for the time that we had. So as we're wrapping, any other final thoughts before we close out? It sounds good. Okay. Well, as always, everyone, we are trying to be the communication solution to change your world. Here's the MI guys. And uh, you can check us out at ifioc.com. You can also see all the sorts of you know, stuff we have there. If you're interested to further get these, more importantly, we want to hear from you at Casey at ifioc. At Casey at ifioc.com. Um, with uh, any questions, comments, clarifications, or scenarios you'd like to hear so we can dive deep and be of service to you. So we'll catch you next time. And thanks for your time. All right. Awesome. Thanks.